Greetings from TG Geeks webcast where Ben and Keith, the two gay geeks, talk about all aspects of geekdom and nerdery. Sci-fi, comics, film, horror, genre, you name it, we talk about it. Find our episodes each week on TGGeeks.com. Visit our Facebook page, TG Geeks Webcast. On Google Plus and YouTube, look for us as Two Gay Geeks. You can tweet at TG Geeks and at the Two Gay Geeks. Or call our feedback line at 469-TG-Geeks. That is 469-844-3357. Happy listening. Peace. Cheers. I'm Void. And I'm Beach. And together, we're the geek to geek Podcast. Well, we make it. It is kind of us, but I guess it's separate. Every week, we pick a topic from geek or digital culture and chat about it for a while. And you're invited. We talk about books and movies, games, comics, the internet. Or really whatever we feel like. Yeah, that too. So look for the geek to geek podcast on iTunes. Or wherever your podcasts are sold. Or downloaded. Or whatever. Hello, my name is Joe Hogan. Many of you know me as Epic Grays in various video games and social media. Welcome to episode 73 of Geektitude, a geek culture podcast that celebrates the inner geek in all of us. This morning, I'm really excited to be joined by Void from the geek to geek podcast. How are you doing today, Void? I'm good. I'm happy to be back. It's been a little while, but it has I'm been glad a to be here. While. Um. We we actually the last time we talked uh, on air was uh, episode thirty eight, so that's quite a ways away. Yeah. Uh, so what have you been up to since then? Um, what have I been up to? I don't know, man. Video games, hanging out with my kids, books, movies, all my normal things. But besides that, just like keeping the Geek Geek podcast going, and I had some job changes, which was interesting. Like I I went back full time, whereas last time we were talking, I was still freelance. So mm-hmm. that was like a huge life shift that I finally feel like I've adjusted back to it, but it was definitely like a change. Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, having the the freedom to kind of do everything on your own timing and then to to have <laughs> to have to be responsible to somebody time-wise has got to be a, a huge shift. It is, but it, I mean, it was good. If it wasn't good, I wouldn't have done it. Right. Um, and it was just kind of like time with the age my kids are and like where I was at with freelancing and stuff, I was like, you know, I think it might be time for like the stability and just started looking, looking at what's out there. And yeah, yeah, it's going really well. That's awesome. Very cool. Very, very cool. And, uh, and you have, uh, the, the geek to geek network work is going strong. Yes, for sure. And I mean, like we are super happy that you joined, like I know you and I talked off air and, uh, we talked about it for a while. So we we're like, we we're so pumped that you were willing to join up with us because we just thought it was such a good fit. And then, like, you know, talking to Rob and, like, all of us are on uh, basically just, like, a Twitter group message to stay in touch all the time, uh-huh. which, you know, because you're on it. But it, it's really fun to just, like, bounce ideas off each other and help each other out, you know? So, like, Beach sometimes wants, like, feedback about health hacks, and then Rob is always wondering, like, what to do to change his show up or, like, upcoming topics or just bouncing ideas off of us, which is cool, you know? And, like, 
he branched out and he got a consistent co-host, which was a big change for him. But it was something that like he came to the realization that he needed that. Well, not he didn't need it, but he wanted it and he thought it would make for a better show. And it has so far. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it's funny because I think when you were on last, you had just had uh, Rob join the network. And so now it's kind of like we have you right after you've had <laughs> a new show join the network. <laughs> Perfect. It's good timing. Yeah, awesome timing. And I'm, I'm having a great time. You guys are a lot of fun. And uh, I, I think it's, uh, like you said, it's a good match. So, For uh, sure. Yeah. Thanks for, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Um, we're going to get right into, because we got a lot of stuff to talk about today. We're going to get right into our weekly geekery. Uh, how did you keep it geek this week? Uh, a lot of movie trailers. So, and besides that, Persona 5. But, I mean, the Thor trailer came out, and I thought that was interesting. But, mm-hmm. like, I'm not I'm not as big into comics as, like, you or Rob or Beige. Like, honestly, out of everyone on the comic, or on the geek to geek podcast network, I'm probably the least into comics. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still, like, dabble, you know? And... I don't have any context, really, for what they're doing with this movie. I know kind of vaguely about some of the stories that they're pulling from for this. But, um, like, something about Planet Hulk and, like, Ancients and stuff like that. So the trailer didn't actually make as much sense to me as all the people who were, like, freaking out about it. But it still did look like it has the potential to be the best Thor movie so far. Yeah, absolutely. I actually was interested in this one. I... I liked the Thor movies, but I wasn't immediately drawn to them because he's never been one of my favorite characters. But yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Th- this one actually made me think, okay, this is something I'm actually excited to see. I'm not just going to kind of go because I know it's part of the Marvel universe. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's, I, I wonder if the trailer that we just saw is more of like the premise and less of the actual movie because I could see it going either way. Like what we saw in that trailer, it might just be the setup, which it might turn into like a Hulk Thor movie. And that's the bulk of it. And I think I would really like it if they went that approach. Well, and we haven't seen uh, Doctor Strange in it yet in the trailer. True. And so he's going to add a dynamic. So I think it's going to be the three of them, which is kind of a cool idea. Yes. And I wonder if it's going to be like a, not a buddy cop movie, but like a, a buddy movie in an interesting way. That would be actually really fun. Uh, I know a lot of people are very, um, they're like, oh, they're trying to make it too much like Guardians with the the soundtrack and kind of very stylized. And it's the funny thing is, is I, I listened to a podcast, although I haven't listened to it in a while. Uh, Jay and Miles explains the X-Men. I don't think I've listened to that one. Oh, it's really, really good. And they basically go story arc by story arc through the entire X universe. But uh, one of the hosts, Miles, is a huge Thor fan. So anytime there's a crossover and Thor's in an X book, they have to cover it. And so uh, he he talks about how, you know, there was a time where Thor was just basically heavy metal covers. Like it was that kind of style, that kind of feel. Like the stories could just be kind of summed up in one frame and that would be the cover of an album somewhere like and, a single image just captures the whole idea of it yeah exactly and so okay it, you know th- that totally is the feeling that i was getting from this trailer is okay they're trying to recapture that just kind of metal feel of just this is epic fantasy that's going to be kind of just crazy and out there and i think that's kind of cool because we don't get that a lot that's very cool. Yeah. And I mean, just I mean, even just to like 
switch it up in the MCU because we can only have like a generic superhero movie so many times. And I think we've already reached the point where if they just did the same thing again, people are going to tune it out, you know, and um, Dr. Strange is probably a good example for this. Like mm-hmm. they're definitely branching away from it. You know, um, Dr. Strange has a lot of the, the key points of, you know, a new superhero origin story and the stories we've seen in the past, but it also was doing things that were very different and like mm-hmm. mind bendy and like different areas of the MCU, like, you know, dealing with, magic basically whereas magic didn't exist well we hadn't touched on it before that and i hope this is an extension of that you know and also closer to like the guardians of the galaxy feel just something that's different something that's not stereotypical superhero because people are just going to burn out if they just keep doing that yeah and i think i mean i know it's not the the mcu but the like logan did you see logan no i want to oh my god it's so good I, so I used to see movies on like Tuesday or Wednesday, just mm-hmm. mid morning because it was a good midweek break and I was a freelancer so I could do that. And so since going back full time, I don't know how to work movies into my schedule. Right. Like if it's something I'm super excited about, like I would never miss a Star Wars movie. But outside of that, like I just, I don't know how to make it fit yet. So I haven't seen anything in theaters since I started my new job. Uh. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a really good sh- movie, and it's it's kind of that idea of it's not your typical superhero movie, so it's not like, oh my god, I've seen this before. It's just a really good character-driven movie. and Cool. Yeah, and that's, and that's what I think that all comic book movies need to kind of become something other than a four-color comic book movie, because we're done with those. We've, we've evolved past those, I think, at this point. You can't go back. For sure. And like, I've heard nothing but good things about Logan. So I definitely, I want to see it. So what else? What else have you been up to? Um, there was also the Star Wars trailer. So I love Star Wars and I, I can talk about Star Wars like all day, every day because mm-hmm. it's probably my favorite fictional universe ever. Um, I know it is like, so the last Jedi trailer, it's technically the teaser trailer. You know, there's the real trailer that comes later, like mm-hmm. when we're closer to the movie, but the teaser tra- trailer dropped and I- I'm just so excited for this movie because it looks like they're finally getting to like the gray force users and getting that into canon. Whereas everything that I ever touched on gray force users before was like very extended universe, you know, it never actually got back to the movies or the TV shows much, if at all. I mean, there was a little bit in like the Clone Wars. There's a little bit in Rebels, but not a whole lot. And to have this trailer that, you know, they talk about like the balance and how there's light and dark, but there's so much more than that. And then for Luke to say that, you know, it's time for the Jedi to end. It's like, I think that we're finally going to start tackling some of those interesting questions that were brought up in the extended universe. Just like the fact that Jedi and Sith are both so extreme and that's not how you have balance. You don't want people at the extremes and you say, oh, whatever, it's it's fairly good. Like there's no middle ground, you know, in either of their philosophies. And that always has seemed like a shortcoming. Mm-hmm. Um, it was probably more acceptable when, you know, the movie started in the 70s and 80s. But like our media is so much more nuanced now that we need to tackle those shades of gray. And that is like my favorite thing when star Wars covers that. Well, it's really when any kind of media covers shades of gray, I like that a lot. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm, I'm glad that's where you went immediately because I was like, I think that's what the, I, I don't know the extended universes as much as a lot of people do, 
But um, I do know about, I have heard of the, the Grey Jedi, and for those who are not in the know, it's Force users that aren't Sith and they aren't um, Jedi. They can kind of use both, they can tap into both sources of the Force. But, yeah, essentially. Yeah, and they don't, um, it's not as, they, they don't see everything as black or white. It's, it is uh, a balance in making sure you're not too extreme in one direction or the other. And that's the first thing I thought they were going to do when he said, you know, the, the, that last, last line about no more Jedi. Right, and like part of it is that Rey is a force prodigy, you know, mm-hmm. which is something that they don't really like explicitly state in The Force Awakens, but as soon as you think about it or you read a little bit of like the EU or you start looking at the way that she's titled when you like look at uh, toys or games or anything else that's like loosely related to it, um, she's called a force prodigy. Mm-hmm. Like, if you think about what she did at the end of The Force Awakens with zero training, essentially, right? Like, Luke never would have been able to do that right. when he was at the same place in his training. So she is going to... I, I I think that she's going to become the new type of, like, Force user, whatever that ends up being, you know, whatever form it takes, which is somewhere between the two extremes, hopefully somewhere in the middle that can actually, like, bring balance, which is what it's always been talking about. You know, that's kind of, like one of their high concept things that they always come back to is bringing balance to the force and how to do that. Right. And, and you have to have balance if you've got a dark side that, you know, that obvious op- polar opposite is the, the, the Jedi and, and the light. But, yeah. um, but you know, that's, I think that's kind of his point is like to get rid of that balance, you have to get rid of both. Right. You got to get rid of one and get rid of the other and then find some kind of new middle ground. So I'm, I mean, like there wasn't a whole lot of info. It was more of a tone piece for a trailer. And I kind of like that, you know, like I don't want the movie to be spoiled before I go into it, which some trailers now, I feel like you kind of see the whole movie. Like, um, I know you had mentioned that you also saw the Spider-Man trailer Mm -hmm. and I saw that and I liked it and I'm still going to see the movie and I'm excited about it. But I also feel like I now know that entire movie. Like I could probably not watch it and I would still be able to talk about it because if you watch that one Spider-Man trailer, you kind of know what's going to happen. Yeah, and I, I that kind of really bothered me. I didn't, I didn't like the the Spider-Man trailer at all. I mean, I'm excited about it, and it looks good, but as far as trailers go, I'm like, you're you're giving me too much. I don't want to see the big epic moment in the trailer. I want to see you cut off just before the big epic moment, you know? And, yeah. And they didn't do that. Well, and like we saw how he's going to interact with Iron Man, mm-hmm. and it feels like Iron Man should almost be, I don't know, like his role could have been completely hidden. Like they could have cut him out of the trailer. And the fact that, you know, he's going to like Spider-Man's going to lose his fancy suit. And then he has, has to go back to the old one that he made that's homemade. And like, it, it seemed like all of the big moments of that movie were already in the trailer, which is always, I don't know. I just don't like that. I'm not a fan of that. Yeah, no, I agree. And there's a little controversy about him wearing something that basically looks like the Ben Riley Scarlet Spider costume. And I forget whose show. I don't think it was Rob's, but maybe it was um, on the comic box. They were talking about how we're never going to see Ben Riley, so we really don't have to worry about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's so many different incarnations of Spider-Man and like all of the various spider people i guess might be the best way to say it i mean um i read a bunch of spider verse because i I think i was just talking to rob and b 
Feige a lot about Spider-Man at the time, mm-hmm. and neither one of them had really read it. And they were like, but I've heard good things. So I was just looking for something to jump into, and I was in a comic mood, and I read a ton of Spider-Verse. So there's, like, all these different versions of Spider-Man, and, like, um, you know, Spider-Gwen came out of that, which I like her a lot, honestly. Um, Silk came out of that. And so did, like, Spider-Ham. Have you read any of that stuff? I haven't, but my, my friend Rob... Uh, we both have friends, Rob. You have Rob from the comic box, and I have uh, yeah. my friend Rob. And he uh, he was talking to me about that last time I, I saw him. And uh, just just kind of giving me a brief overview. I saw the covers, and it sounds crazy. It is crazy, but it's it's funny, and it's interesting. But yes, like you were saying, like there's so many versions of Spider-Man that we're never going to see them all on screen. No. You know? We're going to get one, and it's going to be Peter Parker, P- Peter Parker. And maybe, maybe if Marvel finally like moves things along beyond the obvious superheroes, we might see like Miles Morales sometime. Right. Um, but I think anything beyond that is just not going to happen in movie form. No, no, not at all. And and my I I like Spider-Man. He's never been my favorite character, and I think part of the problem. And I know there's people who are like screaming at the radio right now. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I was, I was reading comics during the the whole Spider Clone Wars thing, where it was like Spider Clones everywhere, and we did have a lot of Ben Riley, and it just was bad retconned, and it was a lot of messy spider stuff. So. You know, sure. I I enjoy him when he's with other characters. I think when he's able to whip out the witty banter, I think that's when he's at his best. And so, solo movies, I think that's why maybe they maybe they've struggled a bit because he doesn't have that many people to play off of. Yeah, because like when he was in Civil War, it was really good. Oh, like so I good. really I loved that incarnation of Spider Man, and I hope that they can keep it through Homecoming. But I don't know if they're gonna like execute on it as well because like you said he needs someone to like bounce off of and comment about or comment to and you can do that with the person he's facing off against Mm -hmm. but a lot of the time it's like more fun to have i don't know like teammates and other people who are in on it and yeah yeah we'll see yeah and i can see them moving forward and maybe eventually getting to that point where they add things like the black cat and and characters like that but um until then you know just you know Keep them, keep them coming back on teams, and then I think that'll be fun. Yeah. And then, well, you mentioned, while we're on trailers anyway, you said that you watched the Justice League trailer this week, right? You hadn't watched it yet? No, I hadn't watched it. I finally got to it this week, and uh, it was there. <laughs> <laughs> that's, you know, that's how I felt, too. Um, I've never been a big, well, like I said, I'm not the biggest comic book guy in the first place, mm-hmm. and even less so with DC comics. They always feel too... I don't know. They want their heroes to be like perfect and that just bugs me. Like yeah. I don't I don't like Superman. Like I just he's he's okay. I mean, he's fine, but I don't like the core of him being this like perfect guy. That's just it's not relatable. Whereas Marvel always seems to have flawed characters right. that us as real people can relate to in one way or another. And you know, not every character works for everybody, but it seems like all the DC stuff is like people trying to attain perfection and just be like the best human being. Um, and that's not reality. And I have trouble connecting with it. So outside of like Batman, which I kind of make an exception for Batman because I like some Batman stuff. And a lot of that might have to do with like the animated series that I watched as a kid, Mm -hmm, which mm -hmm. people tell me that holds up and I should go back and watch it, but I haven't. Um, yeah. So anyway, that's kind of where I'm coming to like DC from. Um, 
so to just see another Zack Snyder DC movie and it's kind of like, yep, it's that's exactly what it is. It's a Zack Snyder DC movie. I'll watch it for free sometime later when it's out at home and I can borrow it from someone. And and you've heard it's going to be close to three hours long. Oh, that's just brutal. Yeah. Like, why? You, like, edit. Like, edit. You need someone to get in there and tell you no. You know? Like, they gave him too much power. Yeah. And this happens. I mean, it happens in other places, too. Look at the Star Wars prequels. Like, yeah. I don't need yeah. to go into depth on it, but... <laughs> It's someone who has too much power, you know, and not enough people in there to edit them and refine it down and say no to ideas. Um, if you get to a point where there's like one creative person that has way too much power, uh, this kind of thing can happen. Sometimes it goes the other way. Sometimes it goes into like auteurship, which is very interesting and you can get really good work out of it. But then other times it just like it just goes completely off the rails. Yeah. Well, and I think like. I want to say, I want to live in a world where I can go, wow, like, out of the trailer, I'm more, most in, interested in Aquaman, and I want the next line to be, if I'm interested in Aquaman, how epic are the rest of the characters going to be? And unfortunately, I think it's going to be more like, we're excited about Aquaman, and that's it. <laughs> and I'm yeah. really concerned that that's what it's going to end up being. Yeah, like, oh, Aquaman was the best part of that. Okay. Which, I mean... That would kind of be par for the course. You know, you look at Batman versus Superman, and the best part of that was Wonder Woman. Yeah. It was like a side thought, but she was more interesting than either of the main people in it. So so we will see. We will see. It'll be an interesting, it'll be an interesting watch. I don't know that I'm going to be able to, to get my husband to sit through three hours of Justice League, but we'll try. Yeah, I... So some of those movies, the way that I get through them is, like I said, I wait until I don't have to pay money for it at home. And then I will watch it with my wife specifically because she will make fun of it with me. Mm -hmm. And we have fun that way. You know, Um, sometimes she asks me because she can't always tell which parts of geek culture that I like. I They're almost like a core part of me that I love them so much. And please don't make fun of this because I'm loving it. Uh-huh. And which parts of them I'm like, please make fun of this with me. I love making fun of this. So a lot of the time when we're starting up a movie, you know, that's like in, in the geek culture at all. She's like, which kind of movie is this? <laughs> so I, I let her know. And there are many of them that up front, I'm like, make fun of this as much as you want and we'll have fun with it. But that's there awesome. are a couple that I'm like. Nope, just be quiet. Like I'm, I'm enjoy that one. <laughs> yeah, I understand that. And then yeah. you have you have on here, and I've seen you tweeting about it, and I I have no experience with it, so you, you're going to have to educate me. You've done a lot of Persona Five. Persona Five, yes, a lot. And Persona is an interesting series because it's been this like tiny little niche series for a long time, and I didn't find out about it until like a year and a half ago. Um, someone finally convinced me to try Persona 4 Golden, which is the remaster of Persona 4. Um, and Persona, I, I want to say Persona 1 and 2 were like PlayStation games. Um, okay. Persona 3 and 4 were like PlayStation 2-ish games, something like that. And 4 Golden is a remaster on the Vita. So that's how I came to the series, basically. And Persona is like an, it's set in kind of the real world in Japan and you have a character that has come and start at a new Japanese high school essentially that's kind of the premise for all of them but in every one there's a second like hidden world and in that world 
they you take on a new form and you can use these things called personas to basically like do magic and use abilities and that's where like the whole JRPG mechanic comes in with dungeons and bosses and like everything that you would expect from you know any JRPG that you're playing essentially um all of those things come in in the other world and it's not the same other world or the same way that you access it from game to game. So I don't actually know much about Persona 1 and 2. Persona 3 had this weird, like, hour where everything in the world except for these key characters, like, paused or fell asleep or they were, like, in coffins or something. I don't know exactly. It's weird. Um, and in that hour, they could go and visit the other world. Uh, Persona 4, which is the one that I am familiar with, was one where there's a hidden world and to access it, you have to go inside of a TV. So it's like a TV is like a, a one way or not a, a one way, like a two way passage back and forth as a portal to this other world. Um, Persona 5 sees it where it, it's more modern, which is interesting. Like they use a navigation app on their cell phone. And if they have the right keywords, they can find these hidden palaces in the other world. And a palace is basically somebody's like, corrupted desires so the wow. whole game is about yeah is this making any sense it's very japanese yeah well i i i kind of just because i i can picture it as a video game i i'm kind yes. of i'm kind of following along i think if you were telling me this okay. as a story i'd be like i have no idea what's going on right and i'm just trying to explain the premise and not the story because like the story is the bulk of the content right uh-huh but the, the premise is like interesting so day to day there's japanese high school stuff going on but Persona 5 is all about how, like, adults can be bad, and they can be bad to kids, and kids can't always do things about it. So it's kind of a dark theme, honestly, and it's like if if an adult has desires that are, like, corrupt to the point where they're a really bad person, um, there's this essentially, like, a mind palace that gets created in the other world. So our main characters take on the role of phantom thieves, and they try to go into that palace go to the center of it where like the treasure, which is kind of like their corrupted desire shows up as a treasure um, and steal it. And by stealing it, they can like change the heart of the adult. And that's like the core of the game as far as the premise goes. So they're really trying to like do good in the world, but by this really obtuse method of getting to it. That's really cool. That's a very cool concept. Yeah. And then, Part of it that's like the most oddly compelling, and honestly, the reason that I really like it as a game is everything that's not what I just told you. It's the day to day being in a Japanese high school because you have a couple periods during the day. There's one that's like after school and there's one that's evening and you get to do whatever you want in those. So it's about like time management and like which relationships do you want to build? Who do you want to spend time with? What skills do you want to improve? And it's really, really interesting. That sounds great. See, I'm not a big console gamer, which is why I'm I'm glad we have you here to talk about our our main topic today. But um, yeah, I don't have experience with these games, and and most of the stuff that I know about um, JRPGs are from your your guys' show because it's just not something I'm I'm regularly exposed to. Yeah, JRPGs are totally their own beast. I mean, even just trying to explain the premise of Persona, I'm like, this is crazy. It's very Japanese, and it's I don't know. Something about, um, I think one of the reasons JRPGs appeal to me is that they're foreign to my, like, way of life. Even if 
it's set in the real world, right? Because this could be like a modern Japanese high school, but it's so divorced from like my day-to-day experience or my high school experience that it essentially fills the same need as me going into like a fantasy world or a sci-fi world. It's just so alien to me that it's an escape from the day-to-day of my reality. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, so I like Persona a lot, and I'm... I'm not all the way through it at all. Persona is a slow burn of a game. All of them are. Um, I think Persona 4 Golden took me like 60 hours, and I read really fast. So it, that's that's a really long game for me. Um, and Persona 5, people are saying it clocks in somewhere between like 60 and 100 hours if you wow. want to beat it. So it's a slow burn, but I'm working on it, and I'm really enjoying it. That's awesome. That's yeah. Cool. But how about you? What did you do this week? That was kind of that was the last thing that I had. No, no problem. Um, I last I'm a, I'm a little tired this morning because last night I went to see uh, In the Heights, and I don't know if you know what that is, no. but it's uh, Lin Manuel Miranda's um, first show. Oh, how is it? It's really good. Um, I know you're a huge Hamilton fan, so I am. Yeah, so I figured I figured that was a uh, good timing. Um, I, what, so what's it about? What's the premise? It's about Washington Heights in in New York, and so it's a bunch of um, people who are are living in the Heights, a Latino population who just like three days in their life, and gentrification is happening in there, and they're having to deal with their prices going up, and how are they going to make ends meet? And there's you know like like Hamilton, a lot of the the music is rap, and uh, I I take my my students every year to see or to compete in a theater competition in uh, at Fullerton College out here, and they they do one musical number, and so we were looking at well, what musical numbers do we want to do next year for um, for the competition? And I found in in the Heights, and I'm like, well, this is this is great, this is fun, this, there's a song in there that would be perfect. And then I started looking into it more, and I'm like, this would just be a fun show to do in general. And so cool. last night was kind of the go and watch the entire show and say, all right, is this something I can conceivably do with my kids? And sure. I think the answer is yes. So uh, now I just have to find the funds because musicals are far more expensive than regular shows right. to do. Yeah, but that last step, like you said, that's critical because theater, like to see it actually performed is it's transformative. You know, it's totally its own medium compared to thinking about it or producing it or like just reading the play or musical or whatever it happens to be. But like actually seeing it fully done is like you said, that last step of like really understanding it. Yeah. And that's why I'm I'm a little ashamed that I have not made it through the entire Hamilton soundtrack, but it's mostly because I just have a very hard time listening to musicals if I haven't seen the show. Yeah, and you know, I've heard that from other people, so I'm not going to hold it against you. Like uh, that show will become more and more widespread. Just give it give it time. Yeah. And I think people will see it in person over time and it'll only grow in popularity. Yeah, I really I really 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 hope that they um they bring I mean, I there's one coming out here um in you know, a, a couple months I think, but you still it's just like Broadway, you can't get tickets. Like it's it's impossible. Yeah, there's one in Chicago, which isn't, uh, I mean, it's not close to me, but it's also not an unreasonable drive, you know, like I could get there in six hours if I wanted to make like a long weekend of it and, you know, drive 12 hours total. Um, 
but again, the tickets are just like impossible to get. Yeah, I mean, it's not even like oh, you, they're expensive and you have no, you just can't get them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I did that. I thought I'd share because I knew you were a, a big Hamilton fan. Cool. Um, yeah, I gotta look more into it. Yeah, check out the check out the soundtrack because it's really fun and and uh, tells a good story. Sweet. And then Matt and I have been working our way through season two of Humans. Did you ever watch that? No. What is it? Um, you were you were big fans of uh, Westworld, right? Yes. Okay, so it's basically kind of the same premise, but instead of being in uh, a theme park, the the androids are like your gardener or the maid or the babysitter, and a group of them start to gain consciousness. Ooh, I like this. Yeah, it's really, really good. And it has uh, one of the main guys is the the guy who played Merlin in the BBC Merlin series. I don't know if you ever watched that. Uh, I know of it. Yeah, so he's in it. And um, it kind of follows this family as they're dealing with their... um, They're called synths. So their synth gains... is is a conscious synth and it's her the the synth trying to kind of hide the fact that she's conscious and them once they realize it okay well now what do we what do we do and then there's this whole kind of resistance movement happening behind the scenes and people do not treat them well and so it, it it's just a really really good show that's fascinating i should i should definitely check it out i'll add it to my list i i legitimately just have a list of things that I want to check out. Like, and I have it categorized by like shows, movies, and then books is its own thing. And video games is its own thing. And this one's going to go onto the show and movie list for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's, you kind of have to, at this point, there's so much stuff out there that if you're not, if you're not on top of things, <laughs> they, they, you, you lose them. Yeah. And that's why I started like keeping a list and I just keep it in wonder list so I can sync it between like, Anywhere I am, right? Mm-hmm. It's within reach. At the very least, it's in my pocket, in my phone. Um, and it's like, I hear there's, like you said, there's so much content, for lack of a better word, um, out there now that you just kind of have to, like, when something sounds interesting, you have to capture it somewhere to be able to actually remember it later and get to it eventually. Because it's like, everyone has the thing that they're into right now, and they're not going to drop that to go see the thing that you just recommended. But if you can kind of like capture it and get it on a list or get it somewhere that you're going to see it later, like you can get around to it and then reconnect on it, which I try to do that more and more these days. Yeah, no, it's a good idea. We probably should really start that because we'll sit down and we'll go, okay, what, what do we want to watch? Oh, we're caught up on all our like regular stuff. Well, there was that show that that guy recommended. We should probably look, well, what was it? Uh, exactly. I don't remember. <laughs> that happened to me too many times, so I was like, okay, I'm going to make a system, because that's the kind of person I am. Um, I will make a system to make my free time more efficient, and I have, and I have not regretted it at all. Like I love it. Awesome. I'll, I'll have to check out those apps. Um, and then the last thing, it's just a stupid little thing, and I don't even know if... I think there's a little bit of an... There's enough of an age difference between you and I that this might have no appeal to you whatsoever, but did you ever watch Muppet Babies when you were little? I did, yes. Okay. So then you know um, you know who Skeeter is. Yes, I, I... I remember little bits and pieces of Muppet Babies. I think I was really young when I watched it, but I did watch it. Okay, well, there is a podcast out there. They only have two episodes out, but it's called Skeeterial. 
a Muppet Babies investigation, and basically... Oh, man. Yeah, they're going through episode by episode of Muppet Babies, and they're trying to pull out clues as to what happened to Skeeter and why you never see her in anything but the Muppet Babies cartoon. And it's just ridiculous. Like, they take it uber seriously. Like, you know, the the... What one of the co-hosts is just like, I just hope she's okay. If she's listening to this, I hope she tries to get caught. Like, it's just, it's melodramatic. It's hilarious. And, and they'll sit, they, they, they'll have a guest on and they're all comedians. And so it'll be like, well, you know, we've had, we're, we're on episode two and already the beginning of each episode is, is Scooter and Skeeter fighting. So, you know, was there that much animosity there? Is that is that something that we have to look into? And uh, <laughs> there was, that, I think, the second episode is um, well, one of the two episodes that that they've had out right now is like Officer Carruthers next door keeps calling because they're making too much noise, and they're like, was was she arrested? Was she you know hauled away? Is is there something nefarious going on with a, a corrupt cop? <laughs> like they're just they're taking any possible line of reasoning and blowing it out to its more most absurd conclusion and it's hilarious i love finding offbeat stuff like that um especially podcasts and like uh, there are podcasts like that that you don't necessarily like stick with for the long term but they can be really fun for a while um have you ever listened to hello from the magic tavern i've heard you i've heard maybe you or people from the WEC podcast i don't remember who probably you mention it it was probably me. Um, Hello from the Magic Tavern is the premise of it is that um, there is a guy named Arnie and he fell into a portal behind a Burger King into the magical land of Foon. And he had his laptop with him. He has a weak Wi-Fi signal so he can still upload a podcast. And that's his only means of communicating with our world. And so he is basically a, an everyman. And then he has two co-hosts, one which is a shapeshifter who's usually a badger. And the other one is a wizard in this world. And episode one starts off and like nothing at all is defined about Foon, right? That's like what I told you. That is all that they have to work with. And the people who are doing this podcast are improv people. Mm -hmm. Like they are comedy improv artists. Like that's what they do, right? For their careers. And the so they off the cuff every single week flesh out the land of Foon by doing this fictional interview podcast between Arnie and then the two co-hosts. And then they usually have a guest on also. And it is amazingly consistent for the fact that they're up to like a hundred episodes. Oh, like wow. any, you know how, you know, in improv, like I'm not an improv guy, but I know you're supposed to say yes. And mm -hmm. you know, you're never supposed to like shut someone down. Right. It is that taken to the extreme, like Anything that any of them or any of their guests has ever said or made up off the cuff on the spot is still canon in that world. And it just it blows me away how incredible it is that they still have like all of that in their head and they just keep adding to it week by week. That's that's awesome. I'm going to have to add it to my list. <laughs> yeah. Which and it's one that like if, if it doesn't end up clicking with you, at least it's interesting to listen to like three or four episodes of it. Yeah, and because I, I I put in my, my weekly geekery, I I went through this week and I just kind of culled a bunch of my my podcasts because I've just gotten to the point where it's too many. There's a lot of them that I did want to continue to keep up with, but I'm like I'm not going to catch up if I try to go through all their back episodes. So I'm just starting with what, whatever the most recent one was, and um, it made me happy because I got through a lot of stuff. I got back to a lot of podcasts that I hadn't 
hadn't listened to for a while, but it also kind of let me add a couple of these different ones in that make him, you know, just change it up a little bit. Because after a while, if you just listen to the same podcast over and over again, it 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 does kind of wear on you. Yeah, totally. I had I had a lot of gaming ones in my rotation for a long time, and then I realized that like a lot of them were covering the same games in the same way. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I've definitely taken times where I've done the same thing. Just go through and like prune out a bunch of them that are similar and just keep the one or two that cover the topic that I really, really like. Yeah. Did you listen to the, the most recent episode of uh, the Adventure Zone? I did. Yes, I love the Adventure Zone. I would never cut that one out of my podcast listening schedule. No, not at all. And I, I think I'd mentioned it to you. It's now, now I'm caught up and it's like, I can't wait for the next episode. Especially because it's every two weeks because they really take their time to do a good show. But it means that you don't get you don't get a little dopamine hit of Adventure Zone every single week. Right. Right. So and and I, I'm I'm trying to decide whether I'm going to do because you, you guys introduced me to Reddit. I, I didn't use Reddit before I joined the network. Um, and uh, there is an Adventure Zone Reddit. And I'm like, okay, if I go in here, am I going to get spoiled? Or so I'm trying to decide. It's in it's in my favorites, but I haven't ventured into it too many times because I don't want to I don't want to accidentally get spoiled for things because I guess there's a lot of people that just what they do on the that those threads is is try and predict what what's going to happen. Yeah, and I mean, like I so I go into that subreddit. Um, like if you're not caught up on the adventures, on don't do it. But I know you are now. Yeah. So. It's it's usually fine. Like there are so many theories out there that well, one of the things is they can't like the people who have the theories they can't control it, right? Because it's not a predefined story. Like Griffin has a lot of things that he has fleshed out for the world, but every episode, you know, like Taco, Merle, and Magnus are influencing the world around them. So it's it's a collaborative story. So no matter what anyone predicts, like it will never actually spoil an episode for you. That's a good point. That's a good point. I'll have to go check it out. Yeah. No, I love the Adventure Zone. Totally. (laughs) Awesome. Well, very cool. Before we go on to our uh, feature, we're going to take a quick commercial break, and then we'll start talking about the Nintendo Switch. Do you like video games? Do you like music? Do you like video game music? Then join the Washington Metropolitan Gamers Symphony Orchestra on Twitch. Each week, we feature a game the orchestra has performed music from. Our arranger guests will chat about their process, their inspirations, and why game music is so awesome. Check us out every Sunday from 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. at twitch.tv slash WMGSO. Comics. Hey everyone, this is Rob, your friendly neighborhood comic geek. And this is Liam, the the languishing, lascivious Liam of Langley. Wow, that was extremely illiterate of you. Well, I try. We are the hosts of The Comic Box, part of the geek to geek podcast network. So, join us. Bop, bop. Oh, yeah. So we're here today, we're going to be talking about the Nintendo Switch, and Void, you're going to um, be the, I think, final say in whether I uh, make the final push with my husband to to get a, a Nintendo Switch. Are you liking it so far? Yes, go get one. 
No, sorry, that's that's too succinct. Um, it depends. I mean, it depends on you and like your lifestyle and how you use consoles and everything day to day. But like, I absolutely love my Nintendo Switch, and it just it fits with my lifestyle so well mm-hmm. because I have two kids and I'm married, and like to, to be able to take a game wherever in the house and just play it is like huge. You know, like I've always liked handheld systems. I've been a fan of them. But since this is kind of the best of both worlds, I I want everything on the Nintendo Switch now. Like my biggest complaint, I, you know, Persona 5, like I don't have a lot of complaints. I'm loving that game. But the biggest thing that I'm feeling as I'm playing it is that I wish that I had it on the Nintendo Switch because I want to be able to take it like upstairs with me or when someone else needs the TV to just walk away, like just pull it out of the dock and take it with me. And, you know, it's the kind of stuff they show you in marketing materials that you're like, eh, would that ever happen? And for me, it does. Like every single day that I'm playing a Switch game, one of those features that they show off in the marketing materials is something that benefits me. So so you've started your own uh, rooftop uh, gaming sessions? <laughs> not no 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 not everything in the commercials <laughs> but at least one of the things like um about an hour before we were recording here i downloaded the demo for puyo puyo tetris just okay. to try it out and my son came into the room and he saw that i was playing and he was like oh can we play together and i said yeah sure so i just pulled off the controllers and i threw the screen you know the console down on the bed and we just sat on my bed playing like on the little you know sideways joy cons and it was one of those things that it's like there's no resistance to being able to play it the way that you want to play or switch modes. Like it took me all of 10 seconds to like pull the controllers off the sides and reconfigure it. And then we were good to go. Wow. Yeah, that that's kind of crazy. Um, it is. And I mean, like my wife and I, we used to play uh, before we had kids, before we were married. But um, we had it was on the original DS. I had a DS and I was playing Mario Kart a bunch. I think it was Mario Kart 7, maybe? No, that can't be right. The one before that. Mario Kart DS, I think. And I, I was playing it a bunch just at night to unwind in bed. And she was like, oh, I used to love Mario Kart. So I bought her her own DS and her own copy of it. And so we would play together at night, you know, like competitive or cooperative or whatever. But we would play Mario Kart together in bed at night. And after, you know, like the DS kind of went out of fashion and other things came along, there was we never got back to that, really. And then when Mario Kart 8 came out and I had the Wii U here, like any time I wanted to play it, the kids wanted to play it with me. Right. And Mario Kart 8 Deluxe is coming out later this month. And we are so excited because my wife and I are going to be able to, like, play Mario Kart together again in bed at night because the screen travels anywhere. And like I said, the controllers can just come off the sides. That's awesome. Now, is it an easy transition back and forth from from console to um, handheld, or or is that a pain in the butt? No, it's super easy. Um, the dock is like, it's basically it's what they show you in the marketing material. You know, you drop it in the dock and it's just ready to go, which is it's still kind of crazy to me. Or you just pull it out of the dock. Um, the the one thing that they don't make it super clear is that like when you do put it into the dock or take it out it pauses for a second and it asks you to like confirm that you want to keep playing. So it it asks you to tap a button three times really quick. So there's no real resistance, but it's also something that like, you know, when they show you like pulling it in and out with zero in between thing, there is one little tiny thing because 
it's mostly they want to make sure that they know which controller you want to keep playing it on mm-hmm. because there are different controller options to switch between. Um, so whatever controller you grab and you tap a button three times, it's like, okay, and then you're just back in the game. So it takes all of a second. Yeah, well, and in a world of, of smartphones and tapping to get to everything, uh, three taps, it doesn't seem that big a deal. No, it's not at all. No, I heard a lot of people were saying that it was um, scraping or scratching, and that's not that's not a problem for you? You haven't had any issues? I haven't, no. Um, I mean, I keep watching for it. I mean, I guess I'm careful with my electronics, so every time that I put it into the dock or take it out, I'm not, like, running by grabbing it without looking or anything. But I think that that's a, a problem that was kind of blown out of proportion by the Internet based on what I've heard, you know. Um, if If the dock was bent, which is what people are thinking now, that some of the docks might have been bent in that first shipment by accident. Okay. Like, I could see how it might scratch the screen if you really just yank it out of there without trying, but mm-hmm. I haven't had any problems. Now, are there a lot of games for it right now? I know Nintendo's notorious for releasing with not a lot of games. That is probably the biggest downside of the system at the moment, is just the game library. Like, there's not a whole lot. Um, by the end of this month, there will be more, like Puyo Puyo Tetris, as I'm actually more excited for that than I thought I would be after playing it with my kids today. And then um, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe is going to be huge for the system. And it's like, if you look at the amount of games that are going to be out by year end, it's definitely worth it, which is why I picked it up on day one. You know, I kind of looked at this first year release catalog, and there was enough games in there that I wanted to play that it was like a no-brainer for me. But... If there aren't enough for you, like if you're not a huge Nintendo guy, then that's one of those things where maybe you want to hold off for a while. Yeah, well, that's my big thing. I'm, I'm, I've not ever really been a big console gamer. Like I, I got a DS for Pokemon, and that's pretty much what I play on it. I don't have a lot of games for it. Uh, so you know, if there were really good games that I was really excited about, I would, I would be okay getting a console, but. I'm I'm just worried that it's not going to be enough. But the on the on the flip side, I've also thought you know that might be good because if the only game I really am interested in playing on it is Zelda, then maybe I'll actually finish Zelda, which I'm notoriously bad on my my computer games. I I don't finish a lot of them because I get distracted or I restart or you know I go on to something else. And so maybe if it's a slower release, maybe I'll I'll actually finish some of these games. Maybe and you should play Zelda because Zelda is amazing. It's it's the best Zelda game ever. And, I mean, in my opinion, I, I love it. And it is definitely in the running for Game of the Year. Like, there's no question that... I mean, I don't know if it's going to be number one on my personal list, but there's no way we're getting to the end of the year and Zelda isn't the number one on so many people's lists and so many gaming sites' lists. Like, it's just... It's an amazing game. Like, if you like exploration and the feel of, like, some of those first Zelda games, especially the very first one, you know, where you're just given an open world and told to go for it. Mm-hmm. That's what this game is. That's cool. You have a couple of other games on here. Um, Bomberman, Snipperclips, Fest, RMX. Are they, are, how are they? Are they worth checking out, or are they not so much? Um, so Bomberman is Bomberman. Um, I put it on there because my kids play it, and they like it, but if you've ever played a Bomberman before... It's, it's exactly that. Like, there's nothing new there. Most people probably shouldn't pick it up. I wouldn't have got it if I didn't have kids that were interested in it. Snipperclips is really good, and everybody should own it. Like, everyone who picks up the system should get Snipperclips, because it's kind of amazing. Do you know what it is? No clue. 
Okay. So snipper clips, you're given two shapes and it, you're basically like, um, kind of like a rectangle, but if one side had rounded corners, right? Okay. So two of them are right angles and then the other side has two rounded corners. So you have like a half circle you're working with and then, you know, a very like square on the other side. So kind of and, like a big U shape. Yeah, basically like a big filled in U shape. And, um, there's two players, well, in the main part of the game, there's two players. And if you overlap with each other, which you can, you just walk into each other and you overlap. Um, if one of you hits a button, any of the overlapping area will be cut out of the other person. So you can rotate your shapes around freely whenever you want. And you can go up on like your character's tiptoes and you can also duck down. So you have like lots of little like finesse controls to line up the shapes exactly how you want and then cut them. So what you have to do is accomplish just just all these random objectives by cutting each other into the correct shape and then doing tiny little like it's it's almost like a platforming challenge, but it's not a platforming game, right? Mm-hmm. It's a puzzle game about figuring out how the shapes interact with each other. And it's so fun because it's it's made to play two players. Like even for people who aren't video game players like i played it a lot with my kids but my wife and i played it too and she doesn't play a whole lot of games like i bet that you might like it a lot it it might be fun for you if you could convince your significant other to play it as well (laughs) i might well well it doesn't have orcs and trolls and goblins so this might be something that matt would be willing to give a try and the other thing with it is that it's it's like a downloadable only title, but because of that, it's only nineteen dollars. So it's not like you're going out and spending fifty or sixty for an unknown like commodity. You know, it's right, right. totally affordable. That's cool. Yeah, I brought up uh, images on uh, on Google, and it looks fun. It is. It's and it's a lot more fun than you can even tell. Like in images, once you start trying to coordinate together, it's some of that you know just couch co op stuff that you can't recreate in any other environment. Like, that is a couch co-op game at its core, and it, it's really good for it. Um, Fast RMX is, if you are a big racing fan and you can't wait for Mario Kart, go get Fast RMX. Okay. But if you just want to play Mario Kart, then you can probably skip it. It's kind of like, did you ever play, uh, what's it called? Wipeout? The one with, like, hovercrafts on, there's been tons and tons of different versions of it on PlayStation consoles. I, I wasn't around a lot of PlayStation growing up, so I, I haven't. Okay, it's kind of like that, kind of like F-Zero a little bit, kind of like um, some of those bullet hell games where you, you flip back and forth between two different colors so you mm-hmm. can, like, absorb one. You, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. So on the track, they have, like, boost pads, and there are orange ones and there are blue ones, and you can flip your color of your vehicle back between orange and blue, and if you match up with whatever you're driving on, you'll get a boost out of it. Nice. So it's kind of like all those things jammed together, and it's it's a totally fine, like, serviceable racing game, but if you're not a racing game fan in the first place, which I'm not a huge one, then it's kind of like, eh, okay, just leave it for now. Just wait for Mario Kart, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I like I said, I, I had forget which episode, but I was talking to somebody about... Um, the switch and a couple of my kids have brought it to school, but they did it while yeah. we were doing our, um, our, our show for Fullerton. And so I was running around doing all this other stuff and I kept going, Oh, I want to go see what it's like. I want to go play with them. But, uh, it just didn't get a chance. And so I was like, I need to, I need to find somebody who's experienced it and, and checked it out. 
how are the the things like uh, battery power and charge times and all the kind of practical stuff that you kind of have to think about when you're buying something like this? Yeah, so the way that it has fit into my life is that I've never had to worry about any of the battery or charge times or anything because like I never have had an extended period with just the handheld mode where I actually ran out of batteries. Like cuz a lot of the time I keep it in the dock and I'll like play it, you know, docked with a pro controller at night after my kids go to bed. And then when my wife and I start winding down for the night, I'll just grab the console, you know, I'll hit the button to put it to sleep and then I'll haul it upstairs with me Mm -hmm. and I'll play it in bed for however long, you know, an hour, sometimes two or three, depending on when we decide to go up and like settle in for the night. Um, But yeah, I guess I've never hit that like five or six hour mark where it's supposed to run out of batteries or I think Zelda, if you're really pushing it, they said like three to four hour mark. Um, So, you know, if if you were always doing handheld mode, you would probably just want to have a charger nearby, which isn't the end of the world. We're all kind of used to it now with the way our phones are, you know. Um, But yeah, it hasn't been an issue for me. And then the other thing is that all of the controllers, like... I can't believe how good Nintendo controllers are for holding a charge compared to all of the other systems. You know, like I feel like when I'm using my 360 controller on my PC, um, because that's kind of my primary like gamepad when I play on PC and I'm not doing mouse keyboard, that thing chews through AA batteries. And when I'm playing a game like, you know, Persona 5 or whatever I'm playing on my PS4, uh, which is probably a better equivalent to modern consoles anyway, like, you know, one gameplay session and my controller's basically like on fumes. Like I have to plug it back in. Nintendo controllers aren't like that. Like the pro controller will go for like, I don't know, like 40 or 70 hours or something crazy like that on one charge. Yeah. And the joy cons, each individual joy con will go for like 20 hours if it's been charged. Like it's just, it's a non-issue most of the time. I just, I feel like, and maybe it's because I'm not a console gamer for the most part, I, I just feel like this is such a ridiculously revolutionary system. Like, it sounds like it, it hit the right buttons on kind of every level. Yeah, it, it seems like it. And one of the things I thought was interesting was, you know, I found that, like, I, I use it docked, but I'm drawn to the handheld mode. Mm-hmm. I really like the handheld mode. I love the form factor of the Joy-Cons clicked into the sides and having the big screen in front of me. And, you know, like hauling it to bed or hauling it to my room. Or I just, you know, I have a couple, like, chairs around the house that I like to read in. Uh, so sometimes I just take it out of the dock and I go sit in one of my reading chairs and I play for a while. And so I thought that, like, obviously this was designed as a handheld first. It must be primarily a handheld despite the way they're marketing it. I wonder how many other people are just playing in handheld mode. So... I, well, I'm not. I'm playing in both modes, but you know, are drawn more towards the handheld mode. So I started asking around to my friends, and everyone who has it has a different experience, but they all say it fits their life perfectly, which is just amazing to me. And it's like people who are telling me, oh, I, I tried the handheld mode the first day I got it to see, and then I docked it, and I've never undocked it since. Oh, wow. And then I have other people who say, oh, I never even set up my dock. I'm, I'm not even going to play this on TV ever. I only charge it and have it in handheld mode. Like, that's the only way I play it. And everyone I've talked to, no one has felt like the way they're using it is wrong or that they're missing out on something. Everyone says it fits my life perfectly, the same way that I've been telling you, right? Right. That it fits me. And it's like everyone just adapts it to whatever they want it to be, and it's a great fit. And, like, I saw a survey on, 
can't remember exactly where. It was somewhere that was very like gamer gamer heavy traffic. Um, it might have been a subreddit, honestly. But it was kind of like a poll that was like, hey, what's the primary way you're using your Nintendo Switch? And, you know, the options were like, I only use it handheld. I only use it docked. I use a mixture and then a couple other ones. And I thought, you know, OK, this will be a really good thing. You know, there's thousands and thousands of people who are super excited about the Switch. Let's see what people are actually doing. And it was almost exactly even across every option that they had in the poll. And it, it just blew me away. Now, can I even get one right now? Or are they all still kind of sold out? That's going to be your challenge is to get one. They're still mostly sold out everywhere. So what's what's the deal with Nintendo? Because you sent oh, out a message this week about how they discontinued the um, the old school mini console. Dude, Nintendo is Nintendo. Like, there's no other gaming company out there that does some of the things they do. Like, they are just behind in some crazy ways, and then they just make strange decisions sometimes. Like, the NES Classic is was printing them money. And this is what you're talking about, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And the NES Classic is a glorified emulator at its core, you know? They've broken it, like, hackers and whoever, you know, people who are super into the hardware, they've broken it down and they've looked at the components and there's, like, there's about $10 worth of components here, you know, maybe less than that. And they retail for $60 and they haven't been able to keep them on the shelves since, like, when did they release? Like, October or November? I think it was around October. Um, And they still haven't been able to keep them on the shelves at all. Like, as soon as they come out anywhere, they're instantly sold out, and Nintendo just discontinued it. Like, they have never once met the demand for it, and they're making, like, five-to-one profits on that thing, and they stopped it. Like, it's... I don't know why. It's just Nintendo being Nintendo. They do these things. Like, and with the Switch, they just can't keep up with the demand, you know? Um, I wonder if the two are tied together somehow. Maybe, like, they had one production line working on that, and they wanted to repurpose it for more Switches, but that doesn't seem... That doesn't quite add up. They're no, very, it very different. It seems like you'd products. have to switch. Yeah, you'd have to like. It sounds like a whole lot more. Well, obviously, a whole lot more goes into the switch than than the um, old school one. So, yeah, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, and I mean, Nintendo like, there's some weird stuff with just their online offerings and like how they treat accounts and um, friend codes and safety and I don't know. They have. They're they're always lagging behind in some weird ways, and then they're always in like out in front of the pack in other ways. Like this form factor, now that people have seen it, it's like, of course this is amazing. Why didn't anyone do this before? Right. But then you go on to like the eShop, and if you're used to Steam, you know, you're used to being able to filter and see ratings and like find things and discoverability. And you go into the Nintendo eShop right now, and there's like two categories. It's like new releases and I don't even know the other one, like upcoming, upcoming releases. Like, that's it. And it's just weird. It's weird to see a company that's so innovative and at the same time so behind and, like, backwards and twisted in other ways. Yeah, but we probably probably all know people like that (laughs) where they're really just on top of things. And, like, it's that um, intelligence doesn't necessarily make common sense rule. Yes. Yes, I can see that. And so maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's, you know, a bunch of really cool computer guys that just don't have the business sense behind them. But you'd think they'd outsource that. <laughs> you'd think you they'd would. find somebody else to do that part. But 
I know. Uh, Nintendo. It's good, though. You should get one. They're really fun. I, I'm, I'm going to start working on my husband again. <laughs> because, okay. Because we, we, honestly, we waited too late, and then we made the decision, all right, well, let's go get one. And then we're like, well, we can't find one now. And so now it's like, well, time has passed. Maybe we don't really need it. And now that I've talked to you, it's like, no, this would be good for not just me, but probably both of us, especially because it's a different... It's not. <laughs> my husband is giving me a not so sure glance. <laughs> but uh yeah, it I I think I think you may have uh pushed up my uh interest to be let's let's see if we can go find it as soon as possible. Yeah. Cool. Well, it has other stuff too like um have you played Splatoon at all or seen it much? Uh I heard you guys talking about it on your show, but I haven't played it. So Splatoon is like Nintendo's version of a shooter, mm-hmm. which is it's just fascinating, right? Like, how does a family-friendly company make a shooting game? Because they never had before. Right. And the answer to that is Splatoon, which is a game where it's not about shooting the other team or defeating them or getting kills. You are a squid who's also a kid. You're called Inklings. And the whole point of the game is to cover the ground of the level with your color of ink. And... At the end of the game, you win by having the most area of ground covered compared to the other team. So uh, you can defeat the other team. Like if you, you know, take someone out, you got rid of them from the area and they, you kind of get like a bonus little paint splatter in the area that helps you out. But that's not the objective. The objective is to work with your team to cover the ground in ink. And you get all these different weapons and loadouts and stuff like that. Um, and so Splatoon 2 is essentially the same thing, but improved upon you know with new modes and new new gear new loadouts and stuff but that's coming to the nintendo switch in like a couple months it's only a few months away so i'm really excited for that one because i liked splatoon but i i don't sit down in front of my tv with consoles as much as i used to mm-hmm. whereas i can fit a handheld into my life a lot better yeah well and, I, and again i'm a I'm a, a teacher who is a known gamer at my school and, you know, runs the the esports team and all that. And so, like, it's not unusual for me to have students come into my classroom and say, hey, can I, you know, just hang in here and play a video game at lunch? And it's like, yeah, sure. And it's like, well, you know, bring it and let's let's play Splatoon and, and do tournaments at, you know, after school or, you know, stuff like that. It sounds like... Yeah, Totally. A fun way to get everybody involved. When you get some of the co-op, co-op games, like, you know, Snipperclips is a really fun one that's, I guess you could say, is educational. It's it's definitely like a puzzle game more yeah. than anything else. Um, But, you know, even like Mario Kart. Like, I find that Mario Kart has the most universal appeal of any video game ever. And it, the best version of Mario Kart 8, the deluxe version, is going to be out on the Switch by the end of the month. And I think that game is just going to kill it. Like... They've already announced that, and maybe this is something you want to watch for, since you're like on the lookout now, mm-hmm. there's going to be a, a Mario Kart 8 bundle. Okay. So that might be when you want to pick it up. You might want to watch for that one, because like, no matter who's out there, you know, like significant others that don't play video games very much, little kids, or, you know, if like in your case, high school kids that want to come play games, like, I've never found anyone who didn't like Mario Kart. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you for uh yeah. <laughs> for for convincing me to spend money. Um <laughs> Oh man, capitalism. Yeah, yeah. Uh as we as we head out, do you have any shout outs this week? Uh just to the network, the Geek to Geek Podcast Network. You guys are all amazing. You included, Joe. Oh, I appreciate you. it. Um 
it, it's been so cool to like just watch it grow organically. And when we started our podcast, we didn't plan on doing a network. But then as soon as we started thinking about it, it made more and more sense. So it's been amazing to see like Beige grow his own show with Health Hacks and to have Rob come on board and just like work with him to figure out what the comic box was going to be and to see where it is now. Like I listen to every episode on our network every single week and I just I love it. Like I'm so proud of all of you guys. <laughs> so it makes me super happy. So shout out to to you and Rob and Liam and Beige and it's just I'm happy. I'm very happy with our network. Well, and and I'm very I'm very glad to to be able to be a part of it because uh like I said you guys op- welcomed me with open arms and I'm ha- I'm having a blast because it's not just like oh this is this is good for my brand. No, this is like you guys are fun. We are um we joke around with each other. We we really kind of support each other and I think, you know, when you when you podcast, you tend to do it in a vacuum. And you're you're lucky because you have a co-host and and Rob and Liam have have each other. I I've got a nice group of people that I can pull from, and you know I do plenty of episodes with uh, with my friend Ray. But at the end of the day, I'm I'm podcasting in a bit of a vacuum, and it's nice to be able to have kind of instant feedback and a community to to bounce ideas around. So so once again, thank you very much for for letting me be a part of it. Totally, absolutely. Um, I am going to send a shout out to, uh, my friend Rob, different than Comic Box Rob, um, because we, we got to hang out. We never get to hang out. We just, we, we hang out at like major holidays occasionally. We have, um, Comic Con that we go to every year. We, we're constantly texting each other, but, you know, to actually be able to hang out, I, I, the, at the show of, um, in the Heights was in his area of the woods. And so it was like, well, if, uh, even if you can't come see the show, at least I can come hang out with you. We went to dinner before the show and it was just so nice to be able to hang out with like one of my geekiest friends because, you know, it's always nice to be able to geek out with people. Yeah. You're close to. So completely. That's, that's the whole point, right? The whole point of all of it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Speaking of comic book conventions and unconventions in general, next week we're going to be talking about conventions with Ariel Rada from Geek 101. So I'm looking forward to that. He's awesome. I've actually been on their podcast. I guested at his request, and he and I talk on Twitter all the time. He's you'll have fun. He's an awesome guy to talk to. Yeah, I'm very much looking forward to it. And I'm I'm uh, I listened to a couple of their stuff when I I saw it come up in the feed. So I'm like, okay, new, new pad podcast to add to the list. Yep. All the music in this episode is by Ben Sound and is being used under Creative Commons license. You can find more music by Ben Sound at bensound.com. Geek2Toot is a proud member of the Geek2Geek network. Check out other Geek2Geek shows such as Geek2Geek Podcast, Video Game News Now, Geek Fitness Health Hacks, and The Comic Box. And make sure to join our Reddit community at r forward slash geek2geekcast. You can currently find us at geektitude.com as well as on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and most other podcatchers out there. Please leave us a review and spread the word. If you'd like to contact me, you can send me an email at joehogan at geektitude.com. You can also follow the show on Twitter at geektitude or me personally at Epic Grays. Where can we find you, Void? Uh, the best place is probably Twitter. I'm at GRN Mushroom. That's Green Mushroom without the E's on Twitter. Or... Um, if you want to reach out to, if you have a longer message or you want to reach out to me and BJ collectively as the Geek to Geek podcast, reach out to geek to geek cast at gmail.com. 
Awesome. Thanks again, Void, for, for giving up your Saturday morning <laughs> to come oh, yeah. on. Um, Absolutely. It's always fun to talk to you. Yeah, yeah. And we'll, we'll definitely have to have you on the more than 40 episodes at a time. <laughs> yes, I'm very willing to come back. <laughs> Thanks again for having me. Absolutely. And for all of you listening out there, remember, this week, keep it geek.